men are right over there in Ephesians chapter number 4. If we're going to have problems with that, we can turn to this one if we need to. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'd like you to look down at verse number number 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, verse number 12. We've been going through a series on the idea of accelerate your growth and the need to grow spiritually, and we've been ta- talking about several things in regards to growth, and uh, we started off with this sermon on being born again, and the fact that uh, salvation is just the beginning, it's a birth, and then we've talked about baptism, and last week we talked about the need for a daily devotional life, a daily disciplined life. Do you want to just, do you want to go to this one? We can just go to this one if you need to. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, if you look at verse 12 there, the Bible says this, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, I want you to notice this phrase, for the edifying, for the edifying, that word edifying meanings, means the building up, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The Bible is teaching here that the goal that God has for all believers is to help them grow, is to bring them to a place where they will be edified. That's what he says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Look at verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto, notice these words, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I just want you to notice, we're going to look at those words here a little more deeply in a moment, but I want you to notice that the idea there is uh, an idea of growth, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at verse 14, that we henceforth, notice this phrase, be no more children. That we henceforth be no more children. Look down at verse 15. Notice what he says in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, notice this phrase, may grow up into him in all things. And I want you to just notice, we're going to be in Ephesians 4 for this morning. This will be our text for today. But I want you to notice the emphasis is on this idea of growth. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ in verse 12. He says, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in uh, verse number 13. He says, be no more children in verse number 14. He says, may grow up into him in all things in verse uh, number 15. And the idea is that God wants you to grow. God wants you to become measured in the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to be no more children. And the way he does this, the way he does this, the institution that he's given us to be able to facilitate your growth and my growth, I want you to notice, is the local New Testament church. He's established a church to help you grow. You look at verse 15, look look down at verse 15 again. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Notice what he says which is the head, even Christ. I want you to notice that he makes a reference to the fact that Christ is the head. And what you need to understand, and we saw this recently, not too long ago in another series, but we we need to understand that when the Bible refers to Christ being the head, he's referring to Christ being the head of the church. You're there in Ephesians 4. Just flip one page over to Ephesians chapter 5 and look at verse number 23. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23. Ephesians 5, 23. The Bible says this, For the husband is the head of the wife. Notice what it says. Even as Christ is the head 
of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So I want you to notice in Ephesians 4.15, he makes a reference to the fact that Christ is the head. He says, which is the head, even Christ. And Ephesians 5.23, he tells us, even as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, flip a few pages back to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse number 22. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 22. Notice what the Bible says. Ephesians 1.22 says this, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says, to the church. So I want you to notice that the context of making a reference to the fact that Christ is the head in Ephesians 4.15 is a reference to the church because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Uh, he is the Savior of the body. So, when we look at Ephesians 4, verses 12 through 15, and we see this theme about growth, the edifying of the body of Christ, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more children, that we may grow up in Him in all things. The idea is that all of that is connected to the last statement of verse 15, which is the head, even Christ. He is the head of the church. And I want to give you this morning... And I don't want to spend a lot of time if we don't need to, but I want to give you two thoughts in regards to what the church provides that helps facilitate your growth. Because today there are people who believe that they can be a growing Christian. They can be a Christian that is right with God and right with the Lord and, and following in the steps of, of the Lord without being connected or engaged into a local New Testament church. And I would submit to you today that that is impossible. Because it is the church that was established and there are a certain couple of aspects of the church that facilitate the growth, which is why here in Ephesians 4, when he's talking about growth, he's talking about the measure, the stature, the fullness, to be no more children. When he's talking about these things, he connects it all to the church. So I want to give you this morning just a couple of thoughts in regards to how you can grow through what the church offers for you. Point number one this morning for those of you who like to take notes, if you're able to take notes, I encourage you to write these statements down. If you have a child on your lap or something like that, I understand why you might not be able to. But I'd like you to write this statement down. Number one, growth through the scriptural preaching of the church. God meant for you to grow spiritually by getting connected into a local New Testament church that would provide for you scriptural preaching, that would provide for you the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. It is the church, and listen to me, today there is a philosophy that, you know, the least important thing we do is the preaching of the Word of God. You go to most churches this morning and you will find, you know, you'll have an hour and 20 minutes of a rock concert and a 20-minute sermonette and a 15-minute sermonette. They might give you one verse. They might give you two verses. But I want you to understand that the one of the purposes that God established the local church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Is to be a place where the truth is preached. We know the Bible tells us that the, the Word of God is truth. And the emphasis and the focus. And that's why at Vatican Baptist Church, everything is surrounded around and focused in our church services upon the preaching of the Word of God. Because it is the scriptural preaching that will help you grow. See, God gave you a church. God gave you a church so that you would have a pastor. And God gave you a pastor so that he would preach to you the Bible. Are you there in Ephesians 4? Look at verse number 11. Notice what he says. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Ephesians 4.11 says this, And he gave some apostles. Now, 
the office of an apostle is no longer around today. There are no apostles. Somebody tells you to, you, to uh, somebody tells you that they are an apostle. Um, they are either lying to you or they don't understand what an apostle is. Because the Bible is very clear in Scripture that the way that somebody became an apostle was that they were handpicked by the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, it is Christ, and the Bible tells us that the last apostle was the apostle Paul, who the Lord Jesus Christ, even after his ascension appeared to him in the road to Damascus and chose him. So there are no apostles today. That office has been done away with. And here he says, and he gave some apostles. Now he gave some apostles. He didn't give us apostles in the day and age that we live, but he gave some apostles. Then he says this, and some prophets. He gave some prophets. The word prophet there, usually when we think of a prophet, we think of someone who is foretelling the future. And there's definitely an aspect of that in the word of God that a prophet foretells or gives prophecy but in the Bible a prophet is just someone who preaches the word and oftentimes you'll find prophets or prophecies in scripture that no one's foretelling the future so a good way to remember this is a prophet sometimes foretells but always foretells the word of God he's someone who preaches then we are told and some evangelists what's an evangelist well an evangelist is basically a full-time soul winner it's what we would call today a missionary, someone that goes out and their primary duty is to evangelize, preaching the gospel. He gave uh, some evangelists and some pastors. The Bible says he gave you a pastor. It's a gift that he gave you. You ought to appreciate me more. You know, I'm a gift. I know some of you don't think that. I am a gift that was given to you by God. And he gave some pastors and teachers. And I believe in the local New Testament church, we have evangelists and pastors and teachers. And you could fit in there the idea of a prophet who foretells. We no longer foretell. The the, the Bible has been uh, finished, has been completed. Am I, getting, what's, am I getting too close to this? Or do I need to shut this off? Is it this one? Does it help if I do that? No? Use the lapel? All right. A prophet is the one who foretells or foretells uh, the, the word of God, and then we have an evangelist, pastors, and teachers. And you need to understand, God gave you a pastor. Whether I'm your pastor or you're part of another local church where you have a pastor, God gave you a pastor so that he can teach to you the word of God. Go, keep your place there in Ephesians 4. That's our text for this morning. Go to the book of Acts just real quickly. Acts chapter number 20. In the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter number 20. And look at verse number 17. Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. I want to just show you some verses in regards to this. The job of a pastor. The job of a pastor is primarily to preach and teach the Word of God to you. Some people believe that the primary job of a pastor is to be your best friend. Now look, I'd like to be your best friend. And I'll do everything in my power to be a best friend uh, to you in any way that I can. But that's not what God called me to do. God did not call me to be your best friend. Now, when the church, when we started this church six and a half years ago, and we had 20 people coming to church on Sunday morning, it was a lot easier for me and my wife. You know, 20, six and a half years ago, we had 20 people coming to church, and we had two children. It was a lot easier for us to be everyone's best friend than now when we have, I mean, we probably have 160 some odd people here this morning, and on top of that, now we've got five children. 
<laughs> you know? So, you know, I can't be your best friend all the time. You're going to have to figure out how to develop friends within the church, and we're going to talk about that. You know, I want to be your friend. I try to spend time with our church people as much as possible, and I try to be given to hospitality in the way that the Bible tells us. But you need to understand that the primary reason, the primary reason that I am here is to teach and preach the Word of God to you. I'm often invited, you know, I'll have people invite me, and, and their hearts are in the right place, and they'll invite me, you know, do you want to go out to lunch, or do you want to do this, or do you want to do that? And I try to say yes to the best of my ability, but sometimes, especially on a Thursday, on a Friday, on a Saturday, as we get closer to the Sunday, I'll have to say, hey, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys are getting together, I'm glad you're going to do that. I'm not able to do that, and here's the reason why. I have to focus on what I have to do, which is the preaching of the Word of God. And it actually, the reason you like our church, the reason you like our church is why I can't take the afternoon off to go have lunch. The reason you like our church, the reason you like our church is because I quit, I, I eat a, a quick lunch and spend hours studying and reading and meditating and, and, and doing the work. And here's what I'm, I'm trying to tell you. There's lots of things that a pastor does in the administration and in the management and in the budgeting and in all those things. But my primary duty to you is to teach and preach the word of God. Are you there in Acts chapter 20? Look at verse number 17. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 17. Acts 20, 17, the Bible says this, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, this is the Apostle Paul, and called the elders. Now the word elder, I don't have time to prove it to you right now. You can study this out on your own. The word elder is used synonymously with the word pastor. It's just a pastor. He called the elders of the church. Now he gave them a lot of things that I don't want to look at this morning. But skip down to verse number 28. I want you to notice what he said to the elders of the church. Acts 20, verse 28. He says this. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. And to all the flock. The flock is a reference to the church. And you'll see that here in this verse. Because a pastor leads a flock of believers. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseer. It's talking about a overruler, a ruler ruling uh, in the sense of the pastor is supposed to oversee what gets done in the church. But notice what he says. To feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. See, here the Apostle Paul is telling the elders of the church of Ephesus, hey, your job is to feed the church of God. And we saw that last week, that the Bible is often likened to nourishment, to eating from the Word of God. He says, your job is to preach the Bible to them, to feed them spiritually. And by the way, in verse 27, he says this, for I am not ashamed to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And by the way, that's my goal at Verity Baptist Church. My goal is to be able to end my ministry. I'm a young man. My goal is to be able to end my ministry, you know, some, you know, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, whatever God would have. And to be able to, to on that day, whether I die or whether I retire, you know, I'm too old to pastor or too old to preach, whatever I might be. My goal is to end that, that, to end my ministry and say, and be able to say, hey, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I preached all of it. I gave you all of it. Yeah, we'll even study Leviticus on Wednesday nights. We'll, even, we'll just go through every book of the Bible. We'll just go through it. We'll study Isaiah. We'll study Leviticus. We'll study all of it. Why? Because my job is to teach and preach uh, the, the, the Word of God to you. Now, do me a favor. Keep your place there in Acts. We're going to come back to it. But go with me to the book of 1 Peter. 
First Peter chapter 5, I want to show you a similar verse. If you start at the end of the Bible and you head back, you start from the book of Revelation and head backwards. You have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter. So you ought to have your place in Acts and then have your place in 1st Peter. We're going to leave both and we're going to come back to it. So I want you to put a ribbon or a bookmark or something in Acts and put something in 1st Peter. 1st Peter chapter 5. 1st Peter chapter 5. Look at verse number 1. Similar wording with Peter as with Paul in the book of Acts. 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, do you see the word elders there? We're talking to pastors. He says, the elders which are among you, I exhort. Peter's saying, I'm exhorting the elders. He says, who am also an elder? He said, I'm a pastor, and I'm going to exhort some pastors. How, what do I need pastors to do? Look at verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight. Again, the idea of ruling. The idea of administration. The idea of being the leader. But he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed the church of God. He said, I want you to preach the Word of God to them and nourish them in the Word of God. So I want you to understand, God gave you a pastor. God gave you a church so that you would have a pastor. God gave you a pastor so that the Word of God would be preached unto you. Now keep your place there in Acts, keep your place there in First Peter, and go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Here's the question, why? Why do we do what we do? Why do I do what I do? Why does Verity Baptist Church support a full-time pastor to get up and preach the, the word to you? And I will submit to you this morning, and I want you to understand this, and don't misunderstand what I'm going to say to you. There are some people who are content to teach the Bible to people. And there are other people that are content to teach people the Bible. But my goal when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God is not necessarily to teach you the Bible, although I want to teach you the Bible. My goal is to preach in such a way that the Word of God will have such an effect on your life that it will transform your life. Now, if in that direction you learn the Bible along the way, and you have to learn the Bible along the way, if in that direction you learn the Bible along the way, that's great. But the goal when you show up at Verity Baptist Church is not just to teach you something nice, it's not just to help you uh, uh, know the Bible, but it's to change and transform your life. Now, Bible knowledge is a goal, and we'll talk about that. But it's not the primary goal. The primary goal is that why do you preach? We preach for results. We preach to have you be like Christ. That's why it's very rare. It happens sometimes, but it's very rare that I'll get up here and preach a sermon that doesn't have some sort of a practical application for something for you to do in your life. We're heavy on application here. Why? Because, because Jesus was heavy on application. Because Jesus taught to action. He taught to do. He taught to apply. Say, so what's the goal? What's the goal of preaching? Ephesians 4, look at verse 12. He says, for. He says, Here, here's why. He says, because of this. Why? Why did he give you a pastor? Why did he give you a teacher? Why? For the perfecting of the saints. 
Now, I want you to notice that word perfecting is not necessarily the same word that you and I would use as the word perfect. When, you, when we think of the word perfect, we usually think of someone that's without wrong, someone that makes no mistakes. The biblical, that's not the biblical word, uh, the, defi- the definition for the word perfect or perfecting in the Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 14 just real quickly, just to compare spiritual with spiritual and try to give you uh, a little bit of a definition. You can study it out on your own. Further, I'll just give you one reference to kind of have. Matthew 14 and verse 36. The word perfect or perfecting in the Bible has this idea of making someone whole or complete. Matthew 14 and verse 36. The Bible says this, And he besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. Talking about Jesus. And as many as touched were made, notice these words, perfectly whole. Entire and complete. Often in the Gospels, when Jesus heals someone, He says that He makes them perfect. He's, he's referring to the fact that there was something wrong physically with their health. There was something missing. They weren't complete. They weren't entire. They weren't whole. And He says when He healed them, He made them perfectly whole. He made them perfect. The idea is to make them complete. Go back to Ephesians 4. Look at verse 12. You say, why, do, why did God give you a pastor that will preach the Bible to you? Why did God give you a pastor that will preach the Word of God to you? Here's why. For the perfecting, for the completing, for the making whole of the saints. See, there are things in your Christian life that you're missing. In fact, all of us are missing something. None of us have attained Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I'm not yet apprehended. He said, I can still grow. I can still learn. I still need to understand. And look, you're not completely whole either. And in fact, you won't be completely whole till the day of the rapture. You won't be completely whole till you are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But until then, we ought to be working to be more and more complete, more and more like Christ. And you say, why do you come to church? Do I come to church just to hear a nice sermon? Do I come to church just to be encouraged? Do I come to church just to hear a pep talk? No, you come to church to learn the Bible that you might add to what you're missing in your Christian life. To become whole. To become complete. Notice what he says. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's the church. Notice verse 13. Till we all come. He says, here's the goal. Here's the goal. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. You want to know what's Verity Baptist Church about? What's the agenda? You know, people always come to church like, what is he trying to get me to do? What does a pastor want? People always think, he wants our money. You can keep your stinking money, all right? Say, what's the goal? Here's the goal. We'll give you the agenda right up front. Here's the goal. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. The goal is this unity within the body of Christ and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect... Say, why, why do I have the knowledge? Do you have the knowledge so you can go, you know, get in a debate with somebody? So you can go fight with somebody? So you can go argue? No, no. The point of the knowledge is that you might come unto a perfect, a complete man. Notice these words. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, here's the goal. We're trying to make you more like Christ. You want to know the agenda? So what's the agenda? Here's the agenda. Every sermon, 
every sermon, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, is designed to help you and motivate you and teach you how to be more and more like Christ every day. You're there in Ephesians 4. Look at verse 24. Say, what's the goal? Here's the goal. Here's what we're trying to do. Ephesians 4 and verse 24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The goal is for you to put on the new man. The goal, see, the old man needs to be put off. See, people don't understand this. God loves you, but he doesn't necessarily like you. God loves you, but he doesn't necessarily like what you do or like how you live. He doesn't like the old man. So he says, hey, put off the old man and put on the new man. When you got saved, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But the problem is, when we got saved, we want to live in that old man. We want to live with that old friend, f- uh, flesh and friends. We want, to, we want to drink like the old man drank, talk like the old man talked, think like the old man thought. And here's what God says, I'm going to give you a church, and I'm going to give you a pastor who's going to bring you to church, who's going to preach through the Bible, and the goal that you will put off the old man and put on and walk in the new man. You say, why, why, why the new man? Because the new man is more like Christ. See, the goal, the goal is to make you more like Christ every day. Did you keep your place there in Acts? Go back to Acts. Look at chapter 11. Acts chapter number 11. You come to church, so you have a pastor. You have a pastor, so he teaches you the Bible. You have him teach you the Bible, preach you the Bible. Why? Why does he do it? That you might become more like Christ. That you might become more like Christ. Acts 11, look at verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. Acts 11, verse 26. And it came to pass that a whole year, notice what they did, they assembled themselves with the church. Let's talk about your church attendance. They assembled themselves with the church. And by the way, a church is a congregation. It is an assembly of believers. You are not in church unless you are physically assembled with us. This church is assembled right now. The church is not the building. The church is not these walls. The church is not the, the roof. The, the church is the people assembled. And if you're watching online, you're not in church. Right. If you're watching on YouTube, you know, I'm, not, I'm not against people watching YouTube. I watch sermons on, on YouTube and MP3 all week long. But that's not church. That's right. Church is being assembled with God's people. And here we are told that they assemble themselves with the church. And we have many people watch live stream online and they've got, you know, they're watching from different states or sometimes even different countries and they went to church. They're just, you know, it's a different time. So they're just watching this for more edification. Praise the Lord for that. But if you're skipping out on church to watch a live stream, I'm just telling you, that's not church. Church is not on your computer. Churches assembled with believers, you need to be able to look them in the eye and say, hey, I was in church. He says, yet they assembled themselves with the church, and notice what they did when they assembled, and had a great rock concert. Is that what it says? They assembled themselves with the church, and they had a great drama team. Is that what it says? They assembled themselves with the the church and taught much people. Why don't you notice the result of going to church is teaching the Bible, learning the Bible. Why? What's the goal? Notice, and, as a result, and the disciples were called Christians. First, in Antioch. The first place, we're told, 
any believer was called a Christian was in Antioch. And here's what happened. These Christians started going to church. They started assembling in church. They got themselves a pastor that started teaching them the Bible. The Bible began to change their lives. They began to be more like Christ. They started putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And the world around them, the friends and family, the neighbors and the co-workers, they said, you know, ever since you started going to church, you're more and more like that Christ every day. In fact, I'm going to start calling you a Christ-ian. I'm going to start calling you a little Christ, a Christian. That's what I'm going to call you. Why? Because you just remind me of Christ. You turn the other cheek like Christ taught to turn the other cheek. And you, you, you live your life like Christ taught to love the truth. And all of that was a result, all of that was a result of them assembling in church, being taught the Word of God, and the Word of God did a powerful thing in their lives. Amen. And they became more like Christ every day. That's the goal. You say, why do we preach? We preach to get you to be like Christ. We preach to get... Now, here's what you need to understand. Christ is holy. And God even said, you know, be ye holy as I am holy. And we're trying. Look, I'm not trying to hide the agenda from you. You've got sin in your life. We're trying to get out of you. We're trying to help you become better. We're trying to help you be like Christ. Because as a believer that is following the Lord Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be like Christ. But it's, it's more than that. Go back to Ephesians 4. The primary, goal, the primary goal is to help you be like Christ. So how do you do that? By helping people know the Bible. The goal is not Bible knowledge for Bible knowledge's sake. I, I talked about this in another sermon. The goal is not Bible knowledge for Bible knowledge's sake. We teach you the Bible that you might apply it to your lives. But we do teach you the Bible. We want you to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. Ephesians 4.13, notice what he says. Till we all come, till we all come in the unity of faith, and, notice, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So I want you to know, I want you to have knowledge of the Son of God. Notice verse 14. Till we henceforth, be no more children. He said, I don't want you to be a spiritual child. Say, so how do I know if I'm a spiritual child? Here's how you know. The Bible tells us. You are a child when you are tossed to and fro and carry about with every wind of doctrine. Every time you watch a video on YouTube, I'm King James only. Then I watch Oh, I'm not King James only. <laughs> I'm salvation by grace through faith. But then I watch this guy. Well, maybe I don't have to repent of my sins. Yeah, well, I, I believe in soul winning. Well, then I watch this. I don't know if I believe in soul winning. You know what you are? You are a child. You are a baby. If you are just tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine here, the goal is to help you grow in knowledge that you might know what you believe. Why? So you're not just tossed to and fro. So that 20 years from now, you know what my goal is? That no one would come to Verity Baptist Church in a serious matter. Come here and be part of this church and get connected into this church and then 20 years from now, you're in some rock concert NIV church. If, if, if that happens, I think that's a, we found somewhere. We didn't do it right in teaching you not just what we do, but why we do it. And why we believe it. He said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight. You see that word slight? The word slight means deception. You ever heard a, a magician say, oh, I'm not really doing magic, it's just sleight of hand. I'm just tricking you. 
and making you see something or think something that's not really there. He says, hey, I don't want you to be tossed about whenever you win the doctrine by the slight of man. And cunning, the word cunning means sly or deceiving. He says, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait. Notice these words, to deceive. Listen to me. Not every preacher on TV is telling you the truth. Not every preacher on the radio is telling you the truth. Not every preacher on the internet is telling you the truth. So what's, what's the goal? My goal is to teach you enough Bible so that when somebody gets up and starts telling you something that's not true, you're not deceived. You're not deceived by their slight, by their cunning craftiness. You know enough Bible, you know enough of what the Bible teaches to say, nah, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's right. And by the way, we talked about it last week, you've got your own... You've got your own devotional time where you search the scriptures daily, whether those things are so. And you can study the Bible out for yourself and understand what the Bible says. Did you keep your place in 2 Peter? Go back to 2 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Peter 3.18. Notice. 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace. Now look. At Mary Baptist Church, we believe the King James Bible is God's inerrant, perfect, preserved, inspired Word of God. Amen. I hope there's more of you that believe that than just that. Otherwise, Amen. we're in trouble. Amen. At Mary Baptist Church, we believe the King James Bible is God's inspired, preserved, inerrant, inspired Word of God. Amen. Okay, there's certain things you just say and you ought to get a response. You know what I mean? And, 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 and that's what we believe. And here's the thing. Everything in the Bible is in there for a reason. When God gives you a list... They're in a list for a reason. Now I want you to notice what God says, 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace. But grow in grace. And then he says this, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now notice what He doesn't say. He doesn't say, but grow in knowledge. He, before He says grow in knowledge, you know what He says? Grow in grace. You know what knowledge does? It puffeth up. You know what I've noticed about people? They'll be saved for two weeks. You know, they'll be saved for two months. They'll be saved for two years. Never read their Bible cover to cover one time. But they've listened to a whole lot of sermons on the internet. And they've got a whole lot of knowledge. But you know what they don't have? Grace. They want to sit there and argue with everybody, fight with everybody. They want to go to their pastor who's been pastoring for 20, 30 years. Maybe he's wrong on something, yeah? But you want to go tell him, look, let me tell you why you're wrong. Because I watched this documentary. Look, I'm going to tell you it's wrong to believe truth. But you know what God says? Grow in grace and then in knowledge. Learn how to be graceful with your words. Learn how to act of discernment. Learn to realize that if you've only been saved for six months, you probably shouldn't be rebuking your pastor that's been there for six years or 20 years or 30 years. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. See, God command, God gave you a church. Why? That you might have a pastor. God gave you a pastor. Why? That He might preach to you the Bible. God gave you biblical preaching. Why? To make you more like Christ. And to help you grow in knowledge, but not before grace. And by the way, becoming more like Christ will make you more graceful. See, the, the Bible says that they, they, were, they, they, they were amazed at the words of Jesus that He spoke with such grace. He says, but grow in grace, knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Now, let me say this. Go, go back to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Look at verse 15. God commands that a pastor speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4, look at verse 15. 
but speak the truth in love. But, but I'm sorry, but speaking the truth in love, notice what he says, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now here's what you need to understand, because some people think, well, the Bible says you're supposed to speak the truth in love, which means, you know, never say anything negative. Look, sometimes if you love, you've got to say something negative. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes, it, look, when the Bible says speaking the truth in love, it doesn't mean you never say anything negative. What it means is you say what needs to be said even when it's negative because you love. Because you love. He said speaking the truth in love. And see, when you speak the truth in love, see, the pastor that will love you is the one that will never tell you you're doing anything wrong. The pastor that will love you is the one that will say, it doesn't matter that you're a drunkard. It doesn't matter that you're a fornicator. It doesn't matter that you're a drug addict. It doesn't matter that you're worldly. It doesn't matter. Just put money in the offering plate and we're good to go. I'll keep the minutes at ten, uh, the sermons at 10 minutes and we'll be fine. You say, oh, he's so loving. Every time I go to church, I just feel so uplifted. I feel like, I feel like everything's great with me and God. And it's like, you're, 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 uh, you're in the mafia. What are you talking about? People are like, Every time I come to Verity Baptist Church, I feel guilty. Here's a question I have for you. What are you doing that's making you feel guilty? Maybe you ought to quit doing whatever you're doing that makes you feel guilty. And guess what? You won't feel guilty anymore. Amen. You say, well, why aren't you, aren't you just encouraging me? Because my goal is to make you more like Christ. And guess what? Christ wasn't a fornicator. Christ wasn't a drunkard. Christ wasn't lazy. Christ was, Christ was holy. And we need to try to be more like Christ every day. So sometimes we've got to tell you, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Hey, what you're doing is not right. Hey, that's not what God wants you to do. And people say, ah, oh, Pastor, so unloving. No, actually, what I'm doing is very loving. Amen. I'm speaking the truth in love. Go to Galatians chapter 4. You're there in Ephesians, one book back. One book back. Galatians chapter 4. Notice what Paul said. Because Paul preached the word, right? He said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He said, I preach everything to you. I'll tell you what the Bible says about everything that's in our society. I'll tell you what the Bible says about dress. I'll tell you what the Bible says about your money. I'll tell you what the Bible says about raising your children. I'll tell you what the Bible says about, about, about your marriage. I'll tell you everything you need to know. But notice what Paul said because he was that type of preacher. Galatians 4.16. Notice what he says. Am I therefore become your enemy? Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. This is the same guy that says, speaking the truth in love. He said, look, speak the truth in love. But then he says to the church in Galatia, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Sometimes people get mad. I'll have to call them or confront them about something. And they'll get upset. I'm leaving the church, pastor's so mean. And everybody's like, I, I think we already knew that. Didn't we, didn't, is that surprising anybody? Pastor's so mean? He tells you, because why? Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Might become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Now, listen to me. If you need someone to become your enemy, I, I can be that guy, okay? I can be that guy. I don't need to be your friend. I've got enough friends. It, my, my job is not to be your friend. Now, I want to be your friend. But I don't need to be your friend to do my job. Do you understand that? All I need to do to do my job is preach the Bible to you. And if you get mad at me, but you get right with God, I win. If you're upset with me, but you get right with God, I win. In fact, if there's ever a time when everyone in church is happy with every decision I've made, I'm probably doing something wrong. I'm not trying to offend you, but sometimes the truth offends. I don't need, I want to be your friend. 
I want to be your friend, but I don't need to be your friend to do my job. I don't need to be your friend to do my job. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You know, all I need to do is to be able to give account to God. All I need to do is to be able to stand before God one day and say, I declared the whole council to the church. You made me an overseer. You gave me to feed. I, they, they didn't like me. I became their enemy. But I told them the truth. And here's the question I have for you. When you're corrected by the word of God, when you're corrected by the preaching of the word of God, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Because that's my job. That's like getting mad at the mailman for bringing you the credit bill. You ought to get mad at yourself for running that bill up. He's just a messenger. Hey, this isn't my book. I don't write this book. I'm just a messenger. I just bring you the truth. And Paul said, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? See, when it comes to biblical preaching, you say, what, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about this. You need to grow by making sure that you are under scriptural preaching in the house of God. Now, you don't have to turn here, but let me read these verses for you. Isaiah 58, verse 1 says this. Cry aloud. This is God giving instructions to the prophet Isaiah. He's giving him a preaching class. He's telling him, here's how you ought to preach. He says, cry aloud. Some of you say, why do you yell so much? Because God said, cry aloud. Because I got to wake you up. Sometimes people, you know, they're, they're tired and they follow. I just got to wake you up. Cry aloud. And then he says this. Spare not. You know what that means? Don't leave anything out. Don't leave anything out. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Talking about being loud. And show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. My job is to cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up the voice like a trumpet and show you and show myself our sins from the word of God. That we may correct it. By the way, that's why God told Jeremiah. When God called Jeremiah... Jeremiah 1.8, you have to turn there, I'll read it for you. When God called Jeremiah into the ministry, you know what he said? He said to them, be not afraid of their faces. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Say, what does that mean? Come up here. Look that way. Every once in a while when you're preaching about certain things. And be like, you know, man, it's, it's got to, you know, that can't be good for your face. You're not, you know, you're not bothering me. God told Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces. Hey, the Bible says, Jeremiah 23, 29, you have to turn there. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock and pieces? He said, my word is like a hammer, and it comes down hard, but it's meant to break you. It's meant to soften you. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And they say, the sword of the thoughts and intent of the heart. See, it is the word of God that deals with you. That's why I can't get up here and give you my analogies and my thoughts and my psychobabble. And I read this book by this one doctor. No, all I can do is preach the word of God and let the word of God have his work in you. So, so what do I need to grow? What do I need to grow? Here's what you need to grow. You need to get yourself in a church where the word of God is preached. Where the whole counsel of God, instant, in season, out of season, because it is that preaching, it is that word of God that will help you become more like Christ. And I always think it's funny to me when people think like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Like people got this idea that they should go to church and never hear anything that they're doing wrong. 
It's like, well, look, if, if there's nothing wrong with you, then don't show up. You don't, you, don't, don't go, you don't go to the hospital if you're not sick. They better hold it on a physician. If you're coming to church, you need something. If you're coming to church, you need to grow. There's something you need to do. You've not yet attained. So we grow through the scriptural preaching of the church. But let me give you one more point. Go back to Ephesians 4. Look at verse 16. I'm only going to give you two points today. That was the main point, but let me give you one more. Not only do you grow through the scriptural preaching of the church, but you grow through the social aspect of the church. Not only do you grow through the scriptural preaching of the church, but you grow through the social aspect of the church. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body... What's the body? It's the church. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. Fitly joined together. The body parts. Fitly joined together. And compacted. How about being joined or packed together? By that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body, that's the church, unto the edifying of itself, notice these words, in love. In love. Did you keep your place in Acts? Go, go to Acts chapter 2. Real quickly, we're almost done. Acts chapter 2. I got two points. Point number one was the big one. Point number two won't be that long. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. What do I got to do to grow? What do I got to do to grow? You got to get yourself a church. Got to get in church. Got to be consistent to church. Why? So that you can hear the preaching of the Word of God and it can change your life. You say, well, I can do that on the internet. We already talked about that. But you know, there's another aspect to church. It's not just preaching. There's a social aspect to church. Acts 2.42, notice what the Bible says. And they continued. That ought to be your goal. Continue. Continue in your walk with God. Continue in your spiritual life. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles. Notice this word, doctrine. What's doctrine? Teaching. That's the teaching and preaching. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, but that's not it. And fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. You know, the two aspects of church are this. Scriptural teaching, and there's a social aspect of fellowship. If, you're, if you have your place in Ephesians, go to Philippians. One book over. Philippians. While you turn to Philippians, I'll read for you from 1 John. Go to Philippians chapter 1. And 1 John 1.3 says this, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.7 says this, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Philippians 1, look at verse 3. Philippians 1, 3 says this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all make a request with joy. Notice verse 5, that your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice he emphasizes the idea that there is fellowship within the gospel. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. You're in Philippians 1. So go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any, notice, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one Mind. See, God gave you a church not just for scriptural preaching, but there's a social aspect. There's a fellowship aspect 
to church. God wants you to be connected in the social aspect of church. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. While you turn there, I'll read for you from the book of Proverbs. Hebrews chapter 10, if you, if you kept your place in 2 Peter, and you just go backwards, you got 2 and 1 Peter, then you got Hebrews. While you turn there, I'll, prove to you, I'll, I'll read to you from Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27 and verse 17 says this, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Proverbs 13.20 says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Please don't miss that. The Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. That's a principle. You walk with people that are wise, you'll be wise. You walk with people that are soul winners, guess what you'll start doing? You'll start going soul winning. You walk with people that read the Bibles, guess what you'll start doing? You'll start reading your Bible. You walk with people that pray, guess what you'll start doing? You'll start praying. You walk with people that love the Lord, guess what you'll start doing? You'll start loving the Lord. Because he that walketh with a wise man shall be wise. Hey, you walk with people that drink alcohol, guess what you'll start doing? You walk with people that, that smoke, guess what you'll start doing? You'll start, we start walking with people that complain and whine, guess what you'll start doing? Complaining and whining. You start walking with people that are not content in life, guess what you'll start doing? Not being content in life. Show me who your friends are. That will show you who you will become. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. So God says in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of summits, but exhorting. You see this word exhort? means to give advice or admonition. He says, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, it's not enough. Listen to me very carefully. It's not enough for you to show up, sit down, talk to no one. The whole time you're at Jeremiah. I'm like, be not afraid of their faces. I mean, at least I'm not married to that face, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you come in church, you sit there, church is over, you just leave. You're, yeah, that's not church. You might as well just listen on YouTube. If you're not developing relationships, if you're not developing friendships, if you're not fellowshipping, you're not in church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and and fellowship. Say, so what do I need to grow? You need some good friends. What do I need to grow? You need to walk with wise men. What do I need to grow? You need to walk with wise women, ladies. You need to walk with people that walk with God. You need to walk. Can two walk together except they be agreed? You need to develop relationships with people. And if you're going to come to church and not befriend anyone and not befriend, you say, well, nobody's friendly with me. You know what the Bible says? It says, he that had friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And if you're going to come to church and not fellowship, you look, you didn't do church. You may have heard a sermon. You may have attended a church service. You might as well have just watched on live stream. And by the way, if you're watching on live stream, you're not in church. Because you need more than preaching. You need friends. You need fellowship. You need people. That'll call you when you're missing. You know that if a church comes to the place, there used to be a time... When every time someone missed church, my wife and I knew about it. We were concerned. We are worried. You know, now we literally have to sit there on Monday and think through, you know, was so-and-so there? Has so-and-so been missing? Is so-and-so okay? It, it just gets harder. I mean, I'm just saying it gets harder. But that's where you come in. 
That's where you come in and you help and you fellowship and you and your friend and you're given to hospitality. That's not just for the pastor. That's for you. Romans says that you ought to be given to hospitality. So here's a question I have for you. How's your friendships doing? Because you're walking with someone. You're being influenced by someone. Some of you are forced to spend 40 hours a week with people that don't love the Lord. It's called your job. I get that. I understand that. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. I'm just saying you better be careful to make sure that your closest friends in life are not worldly people that don't love God and don't love the Word of God. You say, why do you guys have Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service, Saturday service? Why, why do you do all that? Here's why we do all that. Because you need it. Because you need to be around God's people as much as possible. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And then he says this, and so much the more. He says you would do better to have more than less. So much the more as you see the day approaching. He said, the closer you get to the day approaching, you need more. You need more assembling. You need more fellowship. You need more exhorting. You need more friends. So why did God give you a church? So you have a pastor that will preach the Bible to you, that will help you grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Why do you give you a church? So you can develop friendships because iron sharpeneth iron. So you can develop friendships because he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. And you need to be doing both. Otherwise you didn't do church. And that's why God gave you this place. I believe in the Christian life, the social life of a Christian ought to be centered around the church. If people don't have time for church, I don't have time for them. I'm not saying I'm mean to them. I'm not saying I'm not friendly to them. I'm friendly to, you know, be friendly to family members, be friendly to co-workers, be friendly to neighbors. But look, my main agenda is the house of God. So we'll ask because you're a pastor. No, it ought to be all of our agendas. Our lives ought to be surrounded and revolving around the work and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you one last verse and we'll be done. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. God gave you a church. So here, here's the question. How, how consistent are you to church? How well are you doing in your assembling of the church? God wants you, God wants you to be faithful to church. Acts chapter 20, verse 18. We're done. This is the last one we'll look at. Acts 20, 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came in Asia, after what manner, notice what Paul said, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. You see that? That ought to be the goal we all have. To be able to say, hey, you know, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. By the way, that includes football season. That includes basketball season. That includes baseball season. That includes summer. He says, you, you know, you know that I've been with you. And I'll see, here's what Paul's saying. I'll, I'm the type of guy, if the doors of church were open, I was there. There's an event going on, I'll be there. Why? Because I can't get it because so much more. Because I just need to be around God's people. I need friends to fellowship with. Now, you may not necessarily be my friend because for some of you, you know, I become your enemy because I tell you the truth. 
But there are many people here that can be your friend, that you can fellowship with. And maybe you ought to come early. And maybe you ought to stay a little late. Maybe you ought to invite somebody over. Maybe you ought to try to learn somebody's name. Maybe you ought to try to talk to someone and engage with someone and connect with someone. Why? Because that's why God gave you a church. So how are you doing with your church? It's a gift that God gave you. The local New Testament church. And Joel Osteen can't give that to you on TV. And Joyce Myers, there's lots she can't give you, but she can't give you that on TV. And your radio preacher and your YouTube preacher, they can't give you that. I can't give you that. You have to show yourself friendly. You have to develop relationships. That's why, and by the way, as you develop friendships and fellowship, you will begin to grow. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that this is a great gift that we've been given, the local New Testament church. And Lord, help us to embrace both aspects of it. The fact that you have given us a place where we can come and hear scriptural preaching at the local church. Nowhere else in the world can we go and hear the Bible expounded upon and applied to our lives. But then, Lord, help us to take it a step further and realize that it's not just about the scriptural preaching, it's also about the social aspect of church. Help us to show ourselves friendly. Help us to make an attempt to connect. Make an attempt to develop friendships and fellowships. That we might walk with people that love you and that we might begin to love you as well. Thank you for giving us the local church and the the aspect of growth that it provides. In your precious name I pray. Amen.